You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. I do want to welcome uh, Mark and John and, you know, the whole family back uh, as well. We missed you guys last week. Um, and uh, congratulations on the kids being graduated. See little tears of joy. No more tuition uh, coming up here. That's always great. So Elizabeth's got one more year, so that's what we're thinking about uh, as well. But uh, I want to also welcome uh, Josh and Norbert from the church in um, Utah that's helping us out with our song service. And uh, always great to have you. You can always tell that Josh is around because, uh, you know, Brooke seems a little bit more happier, don't you think? Seems a little bit more like, oh, this is good, good, awesome. But we're starting a new series, and uh, I need to go through some announcements, but uh, that's our new series for these next four weeks, and we invited uh, Brian Gregg to come and preach next week, and it's entitled Brand New. And we really have an incredible opportunity in the next few weeks, and really as a church, to always continually have opportunities to reinvent, to grow, to examine what's good, what's not so good, and to honor God by the growth that uh, we strive to have in our lives and in our church. Amen? So that's the title of our new series. It's four weeks long, and it's entitled Brand New. Brand New. Speaking of brand new, this is the last service for Daniel Bolton. And the reason is uh, his uh, girlfriend, fiance from Long Beach, has come up here to steal him away from us. And uh, Taylor, Daniel, why don't you guys stand on up? They are engaged to be married. And uh, just joking, Taylor. We're really uh, just uh, grateful for you, Daniel, for all the work that you put in with the teens. And uh, we're just really excited for you, happy for you. And uh, Daniel and Taylor will be living down in Long Beach. And uh, that's hence, this is his, your, uh, his last service here. But uh, you guys are always welcome here, and we love you so much. And it's great to, it's great to celebrate this time with you guys. What a great picture. So, uh, so cool. So, uh, so deep. <laughs> so, so romantic. All right, for the singles, uh, we have uh, this coming uh, week is the uh, May 28th is the masquerade party. And I love the little subcaption at the bottom, dress to impress. So it's a black and white and gold, uh, like a little ball thing. So I want to push that uh, today and just uh, pray for that. Uh, for the singles, have a great time down in the Irvine Church building. I do want to mention a couple things, is that uh, next month we'll be taking our special contribution, and we've been building that up over this past few months. You know, we had that couple who came from uh, the uh, church in Lebanon uh, to preach to us, and I still remember his lesson about just being bankrupt, right? Remember? About just being bankrupt, being, being bankrupt in our pride being bankrupt in our, you know, in our, in our, in our even financial situation to give uh, first to God, being bankrupt in ourselves and uh, to really receive what God has for us. And we have a great opportunity next month to give back uh, to the work, uh, the mission work in Central, um, in the Middle East and in Latin America as well. So I hope that we've been saving up and praying for that. I know it's a great uh, contribution. I appreciate what Mark shared earlier. Our contribution has gone up and I do appreciate just the sacrifice that uh, the Westside Church has exhibited. And we've always come through. I feel like, you know, uh, in the last year we've really grown in that. 
And then, um, you know, it's, uh, the, the event itself is June 5th, but really we're going to, to be honest, we're probably going to use the whole month of June to collect together, but uh, we set the designated June 5th as the day to collect the contribution, but we extend that out to the whole month of June. I know some of us, we have different things we're trying to sell and stuff like that as well. Kids Kingdom, uh, one of lift up the campus. We put out a call to the campus on uh, their devotional on uh, Wednesday, and, you know, six kids, uh, six students volunteered uh, right on the spot uh, to, to serve. And I really like that term that Mark talked about. Uh, what do you call that, Mark? The serving? Huh? Yes. Unprosum, dude. I mean, I think we can do something with that. Don't you think? What are you doing? I'm prosuming. You know, I mean, we can really do a lot uh, with that term. So I, I just wrote that down. Unprosum. It just sounds good. And then, uh, you know, with the Kids Kingdom, we still need quite a, a few more. I think we need about 24 more uh, people. Uh, so sign-ups in the back. Please, after church today, uh, please, if your heart is compelled, please do that. Uh, if your heart is not compelled, we're going to spend the next week compelling your heart uh, in uh, other ways. Okay, so we, we bought, so like I said, we've been investing in some equipment. And I think the taser is coming in next week, right? Uh, when's it coming? All right, right. So, brand new, brand new, okay? Uh, last night, Tom Tanya did a great job uh, for our parenting. And, uh, you know, it's a great honor, it is. You know, we have Gabby, who's four years old, and she's learning how to read now. And it's awesome. I mean, just, uh, just learning and seeing them learn and seeing them learn how to learn. And uh, we have, last night was just a sense of, like, what a great responsibility. And Tom Tanya have... Uh, uh, been interviewing with us for the last uh, few months, and I'm glad to announce that we extended an offer out to them yesterday, and uh, their answer is yes. So they're going to be starting. Um, they're going to be starting on June 1st, and they are already moving in. Uh, uh, we want to develop the whole uh, Playa del Rey area, so they're going to be moving into that neighborhood in Playa del Rey, and just to reach out. Uh, to the, just the up-and-coming uh, tech industry as part of that. But primarily, they'll be in charge of the youth and family ministry. Our goal is to develop a world-class youth and family ministry. And not just at the high school level, although that's where they're going to be focusing on, but really they're going to be focusing on the whole youth and family, particularly focus on the family. Because we really believe that we have healthy marriages and healthy families, that our kids, that's what they see. You know, whether they become disciples when they're in high school or they don't. They're going to remember. They're going to look back and go, man, these people really cared about my family. These people really love my folks and they invested in them. And I think that's going to go uh, a long, long ways. So we, we weren't sure as we extended the uh, offer them to them because this was, this was their reaction. So I'm not sure. Is it fear or surprise or excitement? I think it's excitement. Amen. But uh, they're going to be coming in, and their start date is June 1st. And this is a warning to those of you who uses Facebook. Whatever you put on there is fair game, okay? I grabbed that off their Facebook page. Brand new. You know, Jesus uh, brought something entirely new. I don't know about you, I love new stuff. There's two things I love. I love either new stuff... Or I love really old, classic stuff. I wore those pants today. My wife says, is that new, Ken? 
I said, no, it's not new. I've had this for years. But because I love my jeans so much, I've been wearing that forever, like every day. And I know that my wife goes through my wardrobe sometimes and throw out stuff without me knowing. Because sometimes when I go back and look for them, they're gone. Okay? And then she has this guilty look in her face. Like, I just threw a bunch of your stuff out. Okay? But I appreciate that. I need someone to go in there and kind of cleanse me out a little bit. Because I get a little bit... I'm 49 years old and I, I you know, I'm just old. I'm, I'm like, I like stuff that I know where things are. Right? But I need people to come into my life, whether it's people that's helping me or my wife, you know, changing my wardrobe around without me knowing. You know, I need people to get me to start new things. But actually, I kind of like new things as well, especially in the church. We've got to keep it fresh, amen? We've got to continually and constantly keep it fresh. I used to be in the car uh, business, and we, made, we had two factories in China. We made car mats, but we would do auto accessories, so we would sell this as well. And there's, there's actually a scent called New Car Scents. So if you got a beater like a 99 Camry, but you know, you're like, man, this thing is really going down the tubes here. But for 99 cents, you can buy this fragrance. Stick it in your car, and for like two days, you, you can close your eyes and go, wow, this is cool. Okay, for 99 cents, that's all it takes. 99 cents, you can get that New Car Scents. But that's about it. It's just a smell. We do that all the time, right? Like what Mark talked about. I thought that Mark's communion was so profound. About just, God doesn't want us to just give us water so that we can be, you know, relieved of our thirst for a little while, but he wants to give us something deep. Something that lasts, not only in this lifetime, but for all of eternity. It's not a new car cent. It's not 99 cents. It's valuable. And the Bible says this, unless you change and technology, that, that's, that's me, that's, Nothing to do with a new projector. That's just me. Late night. And become like little children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So we think about it and we go, well, you know, I mean, it's a novel idea. Should I change? You know, do I? It's nice to change. But actually, Jesus came and says, it's not an option. That unless we change and are constantly renewed, starting from the beginning of our conversion. Forget about being great in the kingdom. Forget about, you know, having a name or making a name for ourselves. We won't even make it to heaven. It is a prerequisite to be in the kingdom of God. And we can look at that and we can go, wow, wow, what a burden, right? You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I got I to change, I got to grow. But we can look at it from another way as well. What a great honor. What a great privilege. What a great opportunity to have the ability through God's Holy Spirit to change, whether it's individually or collectively. You know, one of the greatest torments in life is the inability to change. Isn't it true? You're just stuck. I'm just stuck day in and day out. But God gives us the ability to change. And he, you know, I, that's what I appreciate about God. He doesn't tell us something that we can't do. He gives us challenges of something that we can do. And he says, listen, we can become new again. And the Bible actually says that we are constantly being renewed day by day. That's what gets me fired up, to be honest with you. 
as his old body is wearing down. You know, as, you know, I'm going for a run and it takes a little bit longer to recoup or when I fall down or something like that, it just takes a little bit longer to, to heal up. But the Bible says that inside we can be renewed day by day. My marriage can change. My parenting can change. You know, I called Nicole yesterday just thinking through some of the things that I've done, whether it's good or bad, and just thinking through. says, Nicole, Dad wants to apologize for this because I've been thinking about this and I think I really hurt you when I did this in the past. And I appreciate, you know, our relationship together. We can talk about it and I appreciate Nicole for giving me, but I appreciate the ability to change, to be renewed. Amen? So we're going to start a four-week series, and today we're going to talk about letting go. Next week, Brian's going to talk about the only thing that counts. See, Jesus came and made things simple. And number three is, uh, what if? What if we make these changes? What are the implications that it will have in our lives, in our relationships, in our impact in society? And lastly, redefining terms. Having the courage to look at things afresh and new. I'm really excited about this summer because I, I think we do have a, great, uh, we have a great opportunity. Let's see. Let's see what works. Let's see what hasn't worked. Within the confines of God's Word. I think God gives us latitude to work from. There are things that we can't cross, but there are things that God says, listen, you live in the 21st century. Things that work back then, it doesn't work right now. Let's figure things out. Languages consistently change. Like we just made a new word up today. It changes. Things that meant something in the King James Version in 1611 means differently now. That's why we write new versions of the Scriptures. We are faithful to what the original words mean, but we find words to describe what it means for us and communicate what it means for us today. And again, we can look at it and go, what a burden God has placed on man. It is a burden. But what a great opportunity to learn how to communicate with one another. Let's look through the study series. Let's figure out ways that we can make it more effective. Let's talk about our relationship with one another. In the church, we use words like discipling, discipleship partner. What does that really mean? And what have we learned from that's been good about what we've done as a tradition in our culture, but what, what, what do we really need to change as well and to become even better? And I love what that scripture says. How do we make the gospel attractive? Continually growing and changing. So I'm excited about these next four weeks, and I think it's going to challenge us as well. Because there are things in our lives that we're used to that we go, man, I'm just not used to that. I don't know about you, I became a Christian when I was in 1988. And the tradition that the church that I became a Christian in, we had no instrumental music at all. And we came out of the mainline Church of Christ as a movement, and I still remember the first time that we had a, a guitar service. It was like a special Sunday. It's a special song, you know. Someone with the guitar, and you can hear little murmurs in the back. Ooh. Ah. I still remember. And I, I felt uncomfortable as well. Is this okay? Are we sinning? And now, you know, we have like full-on bands playing and now I kind of want to go back and let's have some of those old songs again as well. People are funny, aren't we? We change and we miss some of the old stuff as well. Okay. 
So in the next few weeks, there might be some things that we're going to be talking about that it might be a little bit uncomfortable. You know what? It's not going to be might. It will be a little bit uncomfortable. And that's okay. And that's how change begins. As we sit down, we evaluate, and we look at it. What about the women's role? As we look at, you know, what the Scripture talks about. How does it, you know, apply to us? I have three daughters in a house. A lot of times we talk about that. Nicole wants to preach the Word. She does. She says, Dad, i got a few ideas. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. That's why we sent her away for school. <laughs> Give me some time to kind of think through things a little bit. All right? It's San Diego's problem now. All right? Brand new. Brand new. Okay. Letting go. There are some things that we need to let go. Okay. In the book of Isaiah, this is before the New Testament, God was foreseeing into the future and he says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm doing a new thing. Look out for it. He's given us a preview. He's given the people of Israel a preview. And he's also giving them a little bit of a warning as well. Because the temple which they relied on for years, was going to be destroyed. And God says, listen, I'm going to do a new thing and you're not going to have to rely on the temple anymore. I'm going to usher in a new epoch in history that's going to be brought about by my sons preaching the good news. And you receiving the good news. And you becoming a new people that's not going to be centered around a building. But it's going to be centered around me and my words. And you're going to change the world. And he said to them when he came, Jesus in Matthew, he says in Matthew 5 and 6, he says, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. And you've got to understand the impact of those words because he was speaking to not the elites at the time. He was talking to the regular people. And unlike our society today where we have a vast middle class segment in the United States, which is the strength. Back then they had no middle class. There was a 2% wealthy people and there was the rest of the 98% that worked for them. Whether as slaves, as their workers or on their farms or teaching their children how to read or even doctors that were slaves. That was it. 2%, 3% elite, 90-something percent that were very, very low, low class. And Jesus comes along and turns the world upside down. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the city on a hill. I don't know about you, I am encouraged by that. That is the good news. So the implication for us is that no matter where we are at, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what stage in life, you don't have to compare yourself to the world. You look at the scripture. You and I have the opportunity to see how God sees us. And that's why I felt like Mark's communion today was so profound. You know, that woman in John chapter 4 had nothing. Terrible job, horrible relationships, lonely as can be. Who, who goes out and draw water, you know, at midday? Nobody. But there she was, and Jesus says, listen, I got some good news for you. Brand new. Brand new. Nothing you've never heard, nothing you've ever heard of before. Brand new. And you're going to be excited about it. But... What happened? 
this great promise that God gave in Isaiah, Isaiah. This great promise that Jesus gave in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, the new paradigm. We look at churches today and this is more of the attitude of what church is. God promises the kingdom. It's really facetious. God promises the kingdom, but instead we get the church. You can sense the the, the cynicism. You can sense the sarcasm, don't you? You know, I, I heard this a long time ago. I've been trying to track down who said this, and I actually found out who said it. I used to think it was a French philosopher. It's not. It's a British guy. Even worse. Old British uh, theologian. And I actually found it, but I lost it. So that's why I put anonymous in quotes, because I lost, I lost the quote. Okay? But the sentiment is pretty deep, though. When people look at the world today, what do they see? They don't see power. They don't see salt. They don't see a city on a hill. They see staid religion. They see people that say things. But there's no power. That's why Mark was talking about they find power somewhere else. They find power in their job. They find power in education. They find power or they look for power in relationships. They look for it anywhere else except for God's church for which it was intended to be the panoply of God's wisdom. So again, we have two choices. Either we can be overwhelmed by it, go, oh my gosh, or we can go, you know what, what a great opportunity. What a great opportunity. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. That's how I see it today, and I hope this is how I see it 10 years from now, and this is how I see it until the day I die. And what I realize is that from what Jesus says and what this guy says, there is a chasm. And what causes this is people. People that don't believe in God and people, worse, people that believe in God but don't live it out. So when people look at it, the church, and they go, I I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's not powerful. And it's a waste of time. And that's what Jesus says. You are salt. But salt, if it is what? Useless. What, what happens? It is only fit to be thrown out and trampled on by men. There's no neutrality here. There's no neutrality. And that's what people do when they look at the church sometimes. And they go, you know, I'm reading this book now. It's called, it's by John, John Spong. It's called Biblical Literalism. And he's talking about how just people mess up the church. And he goes, countless. It's just kind of depressing. So I kind of stop. You know, just how in so many ways... Churches have defamed the Word of God. Whether it's slavery, whether it's the treatment of women, whether it's using the Bible to justify slavery, or the putting down of women, and and, and all these different things. But like I said, I mean, you can look at it from that perspective, or you can go, you know what, I sit here today, I have an opportunity to fight. I have an opportunity to, to really wrestle and insist that we bring God's people to the original intent of God's word into the original intent of God's church, which is the light of the world, a city on a hill. Amen? There's no other choice. There's no other choice. Go to church. 
Okay, with a little cross on top of that. Jesus says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied against you. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are but mere rules taught by men, merely human rules. So Jesus warns us not to do things because of just tradition. He warns us not to do things just because we're used to it. And that's just the way we've been doing it. He warns us to examine. He, he warns us to have praxis, figure out, learn, grow, change, and measure it up to the Word of God. Instead of the bride of Christ, we kind of became like the bridezilla of Christ. And that's what that guy was talking about. And you know, when I look at this, it's comical. But you know, it makes me appreciate God even more. He doesn't give up. He just doesn't give up. Isn't that encouraging? He has the stamina to go in, you know, just, just, just like just into it. He doesn't give up. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So the problem is what? It's church people. It's church people. It's nothing from the outside that makes the church unclean, the Bible says. It's God's people themselves. They're not going to put up with sound doctrine. So here's the solution. The solution we know is not be more traditional or more, you know, going back to traditions. And the, the the, the solution is definitely not being less religious. What's the solution? To be more religious. Right? Sound doctrine. We're called to go back to sound doctrine. It's not this free-for-all. It's not like something new, this free-for-all. No, it's something new in terms of going back to sound doctrine to living by the words of God, steadfast, holding on to the words of God. And I'm not talking about some deep theological thing, you know, where you have to, you know, go to school for 10 years or something like that. It's simple. It's just holding on to God's word. And that's what these people, that's what they did. They, they turn around to people to say what their itching ears want to hear, and they turn away from God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, distresses in beatings, imprisonment, riots, and hard work, sleepless night, and danger, and purity, and on and on and on and on and on. He says what? He says, listen, we wrestle. There's not only just one thing that we work on. We wrestle, we keep going, we keep going to figure out how we need to do this. You know, when we say the Bible people, on, on um, Friday, we got a bunch of teens together and we ganged up on Dewan. Dewan's been studying the Bible for the last... Since you were born, right, Dewan? <laughs> it seems like you've been around forever, man. God's 17. I think he's been studying the Bible for 16 years. And all the teens were there. We're just taking shots at him, you know? I appreciate Jay. Jay led the study. was accounting of the cost. 
And we're sitting there, and some of the teens threw in, yeah, and this and that. You know, Kenzie was there, uh, you know, just, just throwing in his few cents. Kenny was there. Ken, all the Kens were there. What, what's up with that? All the Kens were there. All right? We sat in there and talked to him about stuff. And I was just sitting there thinking, so there's no way we can count the cost. It's not like we know everything that's going to happen to you. The issue is, are you willing to be, a, you know, are you willing to wrestle with things in your life and make it conform to God's word? That's the key. That's the thing. Are you willing? Are you willing to be like Paul? We put no stumbling block in anyone's path. Our ministry, we don't want it to be discredited. The temple model. That's what the Jews were used to. And that's why Isaiah's scripture was so meaningful because these Jews, he put something in their mind. He said they were so used to the temple. Everything was centered around Jerusalem and around the temple. It was centered around sacred places, sacred texts, sacred men's and sincere followers. You know, people would listen and, you know, and then that happens, you know, all the history of, of mankind. The religion, that's what it was. Sacred place. This is Shredagon, temple in Burma. This is where all the Burmese people come and worship. This is where to their temple and their, their God and their, the Buddhist, you know, temple, you know, where all, it's made out of gold. On the top there's solid gold. That's it. That's where they come and worship. And they have people. Right? They have priests. They have monks. They have nuns. These are the people we're designated. These are the holy people that we need to listen to. But Jesus came and says, listen, I'm, I'm starting new. All new. All new. This paradigm has got to go away. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, this woman says, the scripture that, that Mark read from. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus says, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. I spoke to the singles on Wednesday night and I contrast a couple of things. Joy. And I showed this video of Tierra. Tierra won a brand new car. If you get a chance to Google it, it's, it's awesome. Unadulterated, pure joy. Google it. It's, uh, I think it's May 13th, right, Tierra? She won a brand new car. So if you need a ride, Tierra's got a brand new car. You should have seen it. Pure joy. Ah! Screaming. And I just running down here. I was like, I think she punched the, the host. Get out of my way. And just ran down, got into the car. You know, just as it was awesome. It was like pure, unadulterated joy. And Jesus talks about that. And that kind of joy. I thought about this scripture. In spirit. God wants us to have that kind of spirit. Amen? That kind of truth of what we have. And I told this story on Wednesday night about my friend who his family found this, this gold, this, this emerald nugget that they still are living off today. It was like the biggest emerald they ever found in the region of Southeast Asia. And with that, they, they split up the money. They, they started a company called Tianpo, which means heavenly treasure. It still runs today. They gross about $50 million a year. Heavenly treasure. Pure joy. Pure joy. The arrival of Jesus meant the end of the temple model and the beginning of something 
entirely new. Something entirely new. The new covenant is through the blood of Jesus, not our own law, traditional, tradition keeping. I want us to examine what are some traditions that we're used to. I come to church on Sunday morning. I go to devotion on Wednesday nights. And I wonder if we feel like, man, that's enough. It's not. The new covenant, as the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, it says, and he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. It's a covenantal relationship. It is based on relationship with Jesus himself. Not with a building, not with tradition, but with Jesus himself. I think in the next four weeks, that's one of the main things we're going to be looking at, is taking responsibility for our own relationship with God. Taking responsibility for our own walk with God, our own reading of scriptures, wrestling through ourselves. What does God require of me? It takes it away from the temple. It takes it away from these sacred texts, sacred men, sacred rituals, and it puts it back on our relationship with God. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the woman who gave birth to you and nursed you. He replied, But blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. You know, speaking of parenting, you know, Jesus was teaching. People saw him and says, Wow, you must have a great mother. Your mother must be so proud. Small community, great parenting. Jesus turns it around and says, forget about all that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It doesn't matter where you start. Good parenting, bad parenting, it doesn't matter. People that are blessed are the people that hear the word of God and obey God's word. Amen? Number two, no more sacred men. We're all priests of God. We're all priests. You, I don't want to be a priest. You are a priest. I'm not full-time in the ministry. You're full-time in the ministry. I don't want to change the world. You've got to change the world. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Ask and it be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, find. And for the one who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus opened a new relationship with God. He says, listen, no more temple. You can go directly to God. You can pray to Him. You can ask Him. And as a matter of fact, you can call Him your Father in Heaven. He changed their relationship around. They didn't have to be a priest anymore where once a year they would go into the temple and literally they would tie a rope around this guy's waist just in case, because by the law, they can only go once. And only the high priest can go in. So they would tie a rope around him so that if something happens to him, they can pull him out. He has a heart attack, he has a vision, he blind, you know, he, he faints, they can pull him out. We don't, we don't live by those rules anymore. We can pray to God any time we want. Amen? The God of heaven, anytime, open access. 
You know, I love that picture. I don't know about you. It's a political season. Ever seen that picture of John Kennedy Jr.? His father, John Kennedy, who's the president, working behind the desk. You see little John, about maybe three years old at that time, you know, at the bottom of the desk, is playing in the room. No one else can go in there except for John. He's the son. He has full access. Even when John Kennedy was negotiating with Nikita Khrushchev and some of these people, John Jr. would come in and play. Isn't that pretty cool? I think that's pretty cool. Full access to God. You made them the kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. The book of Revelations. Speaking of our end times right now, it says that we are the priests of God forever. You, I bet you didn't know that today, right? Came in here and says, hey, I thought I was just coming to church. He's telling me I'm a priest. You are. You're a priest. Not me, but the Bible. You're a priest. You are the inner, you, you, you interface between man and God. You're the priest. I'm the priest. Amen? The next point, Jesus did not come to establish a place. He came to establish a people. A people. Simon answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you the truth, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Remember earlier that I said that when Jesus said to these people, you are the salt and you are the city on the hill, maybe they didn't get it. Maybe they didn't appreciate the significance of that. And he tells them again in Matthew 16, he says, listen, you are in the kingdom, not just because how great you are, and how pretty you are, and how handsome you are, and how talented you are. But the Bible says what? That blessed are you. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, by people, but God made himself known to you and me. You and me. You know, we uh, celebrated Black History Month in February. I'll never forget the quote by Harriet Tubman. She's going to be our 20, I think she's going to be on our $20 bill, isn't it? She said that, you know, it says, I saved about a thousand people from slavery. He says, I could have, she said, I could have saved thousands more if only they knew that they were slaves. If only they knew that they were slaves. I could have saved thousands and thousands more. And the inverse of that is true as well. God, I don't know about you, I see from these scriptures how hard God tries to motivate us, to inspire us, to tell us who we are, how special we are. Let's not forget that special relationship, amen, that we have with God. You know what, Dwan, we sat there, he says, Dwan, why do you want to become a Christian? He said, all these different things. It's true. But the number one thing is that you get to be with God. That's the most important thing. Amen? Let me close on out here. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not the letter, but by the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We are competent as ministers in God's church. So in the next few weeks as we study out what the church is, let's gain a healthy perspective of who we are. Let the Word of God change us and motivate us and inspire us to become what we already are in Christ. Amen?
So these people are coming up, and uh, I think it's time for me to end. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you. God, who are we to really have this privilege and honor to read your word and to be convinced by you of how special we are. God, that we don't have to go to any building or temple, that we have direct access to you. God, help us to understand that. God, I pray that it will transform us as a people uh, that you have called. God, we love you so much, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, let's stand on up as we close out in song. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.